Hey, and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. This is your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. And I'm going to do something a little bit different on today's episode. So I went into some of my older YouTube videos, and I do some really awesome interviews with different experts in the realm of meeting, attracting, and approaching women. And I came across one that I completely forgot about, something I did three years ago with Dave Asprey. Now, you might have heard of him. He is the guy who invented bulletproof coffee, which is a type of coffee that you can drink that's all natural, that really helps you with energy in the morning and a sustainable way of of keeping yourself really energized throughout the day instead of those crazy spikes you have with regular coffee. And one of the reasons why I interviewed him is because he talks a lot about energy and how to feel good throughout the day, and he actually has a lot of great information on how to control some of the anxiety and some of that energy that you have when you are going and talking to a girl that you have not met before. And I know I get this question all the time. In fact, on my Facebook Lives that I do every week, it's the most asked question all about how to get rid of that approach anxiety. And so this interview I did with Dave, a lot of people haven't seen just because it's one of my older videos. So I wanted to dig it up and I wanted to take the audio from it and give it to you here on the podcast because I'm sure most of you who are listening have not seen that video. It's actually one of my lower videos uh, just because the longer videos don't do as well on YouTube. But of course, they do very well here in the podcast. So I dug this up, I extracted it for you, and I want you to listen and take notes because there's some really good techniques that Dave talks about in this audio. So here it is, my interview with Dave Asprey. Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Trip from TripAdvice.com and I'm so excited today. I have an amazing interview set up for you with Dave Asprey of the Bulletproof Executive. And I just want to tell you a little bit about Dave and, and how he came to be. He's the founder of Bulletproof Executive. He's the founder of the famous Bulletproof Coffee that everyone's talking about. And he's also the creator of a new book coming out, called The Bulletproof Diet, which I've, I've heard is already like number 15 on Amazon. And uh, oh, there it is right there. Very nice. <laughs> and you can get that at bulletproofdietbook.com or get it on Amazon on December 2nd. And most of you are probably watching this after December 2nd, and that's fine too. Go get it. It's available. It's probably number one by now on Amazon. You, because You can get it now. Stuff. You just have to pre-order it. It'll arrive on December 2nd. There you go. So go get it now. So Dave... Um, he lost 100 pounds without counting calories or excessive exercise. He used techniques to upgrade his brain to get an IQ 20 points higher than originally started. And he's lowered his biological age while learning to sleep more efficiently in less time. And this was all through a high-fat diet, all kind of natural diet and bulletproof coffee, which Dave is going to talk about today. And so, Dave, thanks so much for coming on. It's been uh, so exciting learning more about you and being able to do this interview with you so we can get some of your ideas on the concepts of the Bulletproof Executive and how we can put that towards dating and help guys do better with attraction and meeting women. So welcome. Sure. Thanks for having me on to talk about this stuff. Uh, it, it turns out a lot of the stuff around the cognitive performance, you got to get your biology working. And of course, you're going to get your hormones working when you do that. And when I say hormones working, it doesn't matter if you're a young guy, your testosterone levels are still within your control. You do the right things, you have better testosterone. And if you know, you're an older guy, same thing. But a lot of times we just assume it's fine when we're young. But if you can just do a little bit of, of optimization and hacking there, 
you can actually have a lot better performance. Like you just have the energy to bring it, even if it's at the end of a long night or even if you've been out partying, whatever. You just you want to have that energy so that you go into into work the next day, you go into school, and you just you still have that stable energy, stable control. When I was in college, uh, I used to you know some days my brain wouldn't work. Some some days I was just too tired. I might have had a few too many beers the night before, uh, and then the next day I'd pay for it. And it turns out if you can be more resilient, resilience shows. Like resilience shows in the way people perceive you, including women. They see a guy who basically is, quote, bulletproof in, in that, you know, you might fall down, but you get back up again versus you get down and you're like, I'm just too tired. I just, I'm done. Uh, so it's, it's that vibrance and it's, it's hard to express, but people know when they meet someone that's, that's full of life and just full of, of even like health. And the way it shows is that, you know, you can perform better. Your brain works. You're confident. But that confidence can come at a cellular level, at a biological level. And then on top of that, you got to do the brain hacking stuff with, from in my case, electrodes and all. But we can talk about stuff to do to turn off the panic response that most guys get around women. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it, man. Let's talk about it right now. I mean, a lot of guys have trouble with that, uh, what we call approach anxiety or just uh, general anxiety, social anxiety around meeting women and talking to women and being able to kind of uh, remain in control with all these nerves flying around, you know, as they're trying to talk to girls. So what's, what kind of tips do you have for that in terms of what we're talking about here in terms of the, the cellular level? Well, let's talk about what's going on inside your head and then we'll get to your cells. Okay, cool. Inside your head, there's something I like to call your, your inner Labrador. And, and in the book, I, I write a lot about willpower and, and about this Labrador. And if you think about a Labrador retriever, there are these big slobbery, you know, black dogs or gold dogs, you know, they walk around knocking things over with their tail. So this is the mammal part of your brain, and it evolved before the prefrontal cortex, which is the human part of you. And the mammal's job is to do three things, and one of them is to keep you from getting eaten by tigers. And, and that's the part of you that goes, oh, look, and then like, this, this is basically ADD. This is the distractibility part. You're always looking around, and it, maybe it's for threats, maybe it's for opportunities, but like always, always not focusing, but... What, what's over there? What's over there? And, and if you think of the dog, you throw a stick and they stop what they're doing and they chase the stick. Why? Because they're dogs. That's what they do. You have a part of your brain that wants to chase sticks and wants to run away from scary noises. The next part of your brain is there to keep you alive. And this is cool. If an asteroid like hits the planet and there's only you know 25 people alive with bad nutrition for a while, you can actually survive without any human brain at all. You just need your, your mammal brain because what would you do? You'd run away from things that might eat you you would eat stuff. So this is the part of your brain that keeps you from starving. This part of your brain, if you look at what a, a dog will do, it's like, oh, look, cat poop, I think I'll eat that. Like, why would a dog eat cat poop? That's disgusting. Uh, but they do it because it's in front of them and like it smells like it might be food. And then you do the same thing with potato chips, even though you know they're gonna give you acne or you know that they're not a very good choice, you're gonna get love handles. Right, and that actually affects the way you're perceived by people. Um, whether you know it's guys or girls, it doesn't matter. Like, like your health status is either moved up or moved down or held neutral by what you put in your body. And in this case, it's the Labrador that's telling you to eat all the time, and it's telling you to eat the stuff that isn't good for you. But the final part of this is about survival of the species, just like those two. Don't starve. Don't get eaten. Okay, we, we got the first two. Number three, reproduce. You've got to have the species reproducing, and it doesn't matter if you get eaten after you reproduce. At least do it one time. So if you let the Labrador run things, 
The Labrador is telling you flat out, if you don't screw, you will die. The survival of the species is at stake. All this is going on, all this is going on underneath your consciousness level. So when you walk up to the attractive girl, inside your mind, there's a Labrador going, is there anything that's gonna eat me here? And you've probably maybe handled that reasonably well by now. And then you go, there's a part of you going, I'm really hungry. Like, but that's okay, you can have pizza with her, that's okay. Right, so you handle that part. But then the next part, if you don't screw her, the species will die, okay? And if anything is gonna cause fight or flight response, it's that. And you gotta remember, fight or flight is not a conscious choice. It has nothing to do with what you want. In fact, when it's about your survival as a human or survival as a species, you bypass the logical part of your brain and you go straight to the nervous system. And this is why you're experiencing approach anxiety. You, you literally walk up to the girl and your body goes, oh my God, get some or die. And you go, <laughs> ah, right? So how do you hack that? In addition to not eating stuff that's gonna make your body starving, because if part of you is like, oh my God, I just, I'm so damn hungry. You know, I, I have all these food cravings, I'm just gonna ignore those. You're taking all your willpower and capacity, you're using it on food, and you're gonna have less to deal with this approach anxiety. So you wanna be like well-fed when you do this so that the Labrador will shut up. <laughs> so you, want, you don't want threats, and you don't want starvation. You, you clear those out, like all right, I ate before I, before I went out. Now you're feeling physically grounded, you're ready to do it, you walk up, what are you gonna do? You're gonna feel it, and if you pay attention where you feel it, you feel it either right here in your chest or you feel it down here in your gut. That's usually you do it. By the way, until I was like 30, no one ever taught me that I could actually locate an emotion like fear or anxiety somewhere in my body. It's not going to be your elbow. We'll just put it that way. It's going to be one of those spots. You might yeah. feel something up in here. It's always like here. Yeah. It's usually the chest. I mean, that's the home of fight or flight. It's also the home of like compassion and emotion and connecting to people. The simplest thing that I know of to hack that and trip, it's going to take about six weeks, about 10 minutes a day. It's not that hard to do. Okay. It's called heart rate variability training. And there's a couple ways to go about doing this. One of them is a sensor that I carry on bulletproof.com. It's 99 bucks. It's made by, uh, it's called the Inner Balance. And it clips on your ear. And it goes into your iPhone. And it looks at your heart rate. And you don't wear this while you're approaching women because, uh, well, obviously that's probably. <laughs> that's going to look a little strange. I mean, there are some really hot girl geeks. I, I kind of go for that. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Could, it could be a good conversation opener. It might be, but I, I don't recommend that. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're just going to sit either when you wake up or before bed or ideally do this before you go out. And you'll see a difference even the first time you do it. And what you do is you breathe in and you breathe out. The little iPhone screen is telling you when to breathe. And then there's an indicator. It either turns green when you're doing it right or it turns blue if you're kind of okay or red if you just did it wrong. And the it is you're actually changing the space of your heartbeats. So I'm not talking about having a faster or a slower heartbeat. I'm saying when you have each beat of your heart, you want the space between the beats to be different between each beat. Because when an animal, including us, is calm and relaxed, our heartbeat is not spaced evenly. An animal that's stressed and ready to run away has a very even heartbeat. So there's a thing you can do, and there aren't really good words for it, but it's called increase the variability of your heart rate. And when you do that, it, it turns off the fight or flight response. If you gain the skill, which six weeks, 10 minutes a day is about as long as it takes. You can do it without having the monitor on. And I'm a certified coach in this technique. Uh, I've, I'm an advisor to the company who invented that technology. And it, they're called HeartMath. Uh, and there's another app, in fact, one that you could also use. It, this one is one that I do make, 
Uh, it's very cheap. It's called Stress Detective. It, it, with that one, you wear a heart rate, and it'll actually a heart rate monitor, and it'll actually on your iPhone show you what your heart rate, what your stress levels are doing. So you could go out and basically go to a bar and see <laughs> a graph of your anxiety in real time on your phone, which is quite interesting. You could also, if you wanted to be really cool about this, you could you could talk to the attractive woman across from you and say, you know, I, I just I'm not checking my my messages right here on, on my phone. Um, I actually I'm wearing a heart rate monitor, and when I saw you, like y- you totally made my heart race, and like the data's <laughs> right here, and and uh, you know I, I I'm learning to become more aware of what's going on in there, and like holy crap, look what you did, and. I've actually done that with, I, I was the CTO of one of the watch companies and, and I tell you going, oh my God, look what you did to my heart rate. It's an amazing line because it's right there to the heart, right? So the reason though that I want you to do this is number one, I want you to be aware of the stress in your body because most guys aren't really that aware of what's going on in there because we're outward focused because we're looking for stuff that's going to kill us or stuff we can have sex with or stuff to eat because the mammal, you know, the Labrador brain is doing that. This kind of technology lets you play like whack-a-mole with your stress response. So literally, you walk into uh, the bar or wherever it is you're going um, to, to go meet people, and you've, you're going to feel it right here. Once you've done this kind of this breathing exercise with the iPhone, with the inner balance sensor, you feel that, and then you go, all right, what am I going to do about it? Number one, now I know what happened. Number two, I smacked it down. And the way you smack it down is you do whatever makes the light turn green during your training. What it, I can do in one breath, just like that. I do it with my eyes open, my eyes closed. In for five seconds, out for five seconds. And because I've done this for a while, that will measurably change the spacing of my heartbeat. It'll calm my nervous system. And here's where it gets weird. We've got data that shows the magnetic field made by your heart. It's tipped about, I think, like seven degrees to the side because the heart's a little bit tipped. We can measure it three feet out from your body. We also know that that magnetic field influences other people. And that if you have a highly variable heart rate and you have a high amplitude, in other words, like you have a strong magnetic signal, that animals, for instance, will entrain to you. You can walk into a stall with a horse. The horse's heart rate variability will match yours before you touch the horse. You have a field around you that we can measure with physics devices that influences other people. And I tell you with absolute certainty that if you train that, if you walk into a room and you do the thing that makes you calm and centered and turns off your fight or flight response, you will become more attractive to people and they will not know why. Right. Because they can feel that energy that you're kind of putting off, whether it's that kind of shaky, uh, nervous energy or where it's the calm, cool, collected kind of energy that's coming yeah. from here. And, and by the way, none of this is rational. They don't know it. It's not that they saw you. They decided that you were this way. They sensed it at a biological level and you transmitted it at a biological level. And you're not doing this to influence other people because you are influenced by them as well. But if you, we've all met someone who's just like, like super agitated and it, it's not like we saw them shaking. So we decided they were agitated. Then we decided to feel agitated. It doesn't work like that. Like we, we got a bad vibe, right? How irrational is a bad vibe? Right. Totally irrational because the part of your nervous system that does that doesn't believe in logic. Like your Labrador doesn't know logic. Like dogs lick their butts. They do all sorts of things they shouldn't do because they don't know logic. The part of you that's not logical is the part of you that's involved in mating behavior. And it's also the part of women, which is why if you can learn to use this, your head, to help control your biological stuff, you'll put off a cleaner signal and people are attracted to a cleaner signal. That's all I'm saying. Right.
Right. And, you know, I'm always saying to the guys, like, your worst enemy is you, right? Everything starts up here. And then, like you just said, once you can control all the, all the noise and the mess happening here, and it sounds like now we have this new thing that we can use in terms of, like, <clears throat> focusing on our breathing, then we can become more relaxed and more confident. That's really cool. I, like I would disagree with you a little bit, Trip. It doesn't start up here in the head, in my view of the world. It okay. actually starts here in the heart. And we, in, we believe that it happened in our head. Because what happens in the nervous system happens before the head can think about it. Because your rational brain is really slow. And your, your automatic nervous system parts are super fast. And like you, you've leaned on a hot stove or something. And you're like, ow, and you pull your hand away. And you go, damn, that was hot. Well, you didn't, I smell burning flesh. I guess it's hot. I guess I should move my hand. Like, like the, the behavior happens before the thought. Right. All of the things that mess you up in a, a situation where you're meeting someone are happening in the nervous system before you can think about them. And then, you, then after that, you compound them with what happens in your head. But if you disassociate what happens in your head from what happens in your heart and you say, look, my body's doing this thing, but I'm going to do something about it. It changes the dynamics. So instead of feeling guilty because I did something, you're like, the Labrador in my head's doing something that's stupid. And I'm not, I'm just not going to allow that. I'm going to take charge of my biology. I'm going to do, I'm going to make my body do what I want it to do, including calm, be calm. And for me, that removes all the like the guilt and anxiety that comes from, why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? Oh my God, you know, what's she thinking? All that kind of stuff, boom. It, it just goes away. Like it, none of that stuff matters. I'm in charge of this body. I'm going to do what I'm going to do with this body. And if something negative is happening, it's my body's fault, not my conscious brain. And then I'm going to make a choice to change it. Uh, so it's kind of liberating to think that way. Right. Yeah, super, super. So, okay. Now you're always talking about like the high fat diet and certain foods that you can eat to improve how you feel and how your brain functions. So now like let's let's take it before the guy walks into the bar, before he goes to a party. You know, you said like he should be well fed, he should eat some stuff. So what are some of those things that you recommend that he does so he can start feeling better inside of his body? I mentioned earlier that Labrador, right? Am I under threat and am I starving? So if you go out and you have, you know, a donut or you have uh, a Snickers bar, or you have something that's high in sugar or high in bad fats or, or something full of MSG, uh, something that's going to cause cravings, even if you don't know it's going to cause cravings, what's going to happen is you'll be at the party and part of your nervous system's like, we're about to run out of energy. Like, we got to get some food here. Like, like come on, like, like, find something. So now you got more distractibility. More distractibility means you spend more time looking for tigers. Like, is that guy, is he going to get her? Is, you know, like, what's going to happen if I don't, if I don't, I don't get some tonight? And all this stuff goes on. It's like a big bucket and you can fill the bucket with anxiety. You got enough of that because you have approach anxiety. So why would you fill it with basically biological, my, my cells need energy and I'm about to run out anxiety. So what that means is eat grass-fed steak, eat vegetables and put a lot of fat on them so that before you go out, your body is like satisfied. Like I actually don't care about food right now. I, I truly don't care. Someone's going to come to me at the bar with a cocktail wiener. I just don't care. Like I don't want to eat the cocktail wiener. It's just going to get in my teeth anyway. Like I'll just, you know, I'll have something to drink. If your stomach's full, you got some protein and especially you have some healthy fat, you'll actually handle alcohol better too. And I've written a few things. Uh, if, you, if you Google uh, bulletproof alcohol, there's a whole infographic about which alcohol is going to cause you to get tired and have a hangover and all. And there's a great argument that says you should be having vodka and soda versus beer if you're, if you're going to be drinking socially, especially if you're working on learning how to meet people. Because beer and even red wine have stuff in them that tends to cloud your brain more than just alcohol. 
So it's alcohol plus all these fungal metabolites that come from the fermentation process. And when we, we do vodka and tequila and even whiskey, we're distilling most of that stuff out. So you get basically a cleaner feeling and you can do things even with those that reduce the biological impact. The idea is you want your wits about you. So if you're hungry, you don't have your wits. If you're drinking alcohol that makes you essentially weaker than it should, then you don't have your wits. And if you're completely ready to run away, because if you don't have sex tonight, the species will die, uh, then you don't have your wits. And having your wits goes right back into willpower, which is kind of the underlying theme of the Bulletproof Diet. If you eat this way, you can actually have more willpower because your cells have more energy. The mitochondria, the power plants in your cells have more energy. And that flows up. And all of a sudden, when you have more energy in your body, you can apply that energy to exerting your will. And you can also deplete your will, no matter how much of it you have, because every decision you make, every stress, everything you decide to do, takes a little bit out of the amount of decisions you can make in a day, the amount of willpower you have. And we've shown this in studies. So what you want to be able to do is remove all the excess decisions, including the, the Labrador saying, eat that. And then you say, no, I'm not going to eat that. Like, you know, that, that, that's a bad idea. It'll spill in my shirt or whatever, whatever message is running in your head. You have this, do this, no, do this, no, do this, no conversation all the time with yourself. You want to turn off as much of that as you can. So when you walk in there, you're like, there is no conversation. There's blissful silence in my head. And then I'm going to turn off this, this fight or flight response using this breathe in, breathe out, do the thing that makes the light turn green on the iPhone. And then you walk up and you say, hi, my name is Dave. And they feel you. It's different. And that's how you want to be. And I, I was not like that, definitely. I mean, I, I did marry a, a Swedish doctor, which I think is considered a, a home run. <laughs> She's not a nurse, though, but, you know, I, I'm doing all right. Um, and when you eat this way, it also cranks up your testosterone. When you get things like butter and egg yolks and grass-fed meat and coconut oil and some of the extracts of coconut oil, um, that I use actually turn off cravings, things like the brain octane oil that goes in Bulletproof Coffee. So you can do these things and all of a sudden you're like, all right. Uh, I, I feel like myself in, in a way that I haven't before, your testosterone measurably goes up. Tim Ferriss wrote about this in 4-Hour Body and it's, it's well known that a higher healthy fat, higher saturated fat diet provides cholesterol, which is a building block for hormones. All of your hormones are made out of cholesterol. So when you try and lower your cholesterol and eat some kind of like weird vegan thing, I, by the way, I was a raw vegan for a while, like I, I've done it, your levels go down. You want to have testosterone because we do have pheromones. They're real. And women and men sense each other's pheromones. And here's a little scary tidbit. When women are on birth control, it changes their sensitivity to your pheromones. So that someone who's attractive when she's on the pill when she goes off the pill, may not be attractive to her. And this is about selecting a genetically compatible mate, you know, phenotype selection. So that's kind of a, a scary little side point. But the bottom line is you have a magnetic interaction, this heart rate variability thing, with people of your own gender and people with the opposite gender. You also have a neurohormonal kind of connection there. And there's a way to hack this. I just don't know if the guys are really going to like this. You ready for it? Let's do it. Give it to us. All right. I did an experiment about three years ago, and I was testing Taoism. There's a theory that says, depending on your age, there's an equation, and it's how frequently should a male ejaculate. And the older you are, the less you should do it. And it's age in years minus, 
is it minus seven divided by four or minus four divided by seven? It's minus seven divided by four. So for me, I'm 40, my number's like eight. So if I wanna maintain my health according to these ancient spiritual things, which are pretty hippie, I should basically ejaculate once every eight days. I can have sex as much as I want, I just shouldn't actually finish. And this includes from masturbation or whatever else. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll test this out. And so if you wanna live forever, just once every 30 days. Like that's, that's just kind of tough. But I did it and I graphed my data and I put it up and I, I charted my daily happiness with this. And sort of how satisfied am I with relationships, with my career, with life in general? What's my energy level? Gave it a number and then looked over the course of every eight days, every 30 days, et cetera, et cetera, and did this for almost a year. And what it found was that you can absolutely have complete control um, of, of your ejaculation, which is kind of funny because if you're with a woman and you're like, no, I'm just not, I'm going to choose not to finish, it, it drives them crazy. Yeah. But it, it does something else. Like, you're like, oh, you can have another one. Don't worry. Like, we can keep going. We can keep going. We can, and like, it, it's a good thing. And it, 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 I mean, there's nothing to make you feel like a man than, than having that level of mastery, right? But the interesting thing was it changed my pheromones. And you know, I'm married. I have kids. Like, I, I, I'm not a player by a long shot. I'm a computer software guy from before that. Like, <laughs> but I was, uh, I was at a conference, and I was in the middle of this experiment, and I was just sitting there. And, and there's a woman next to me, a really attractive woman, uh, at dinner. This is at a paleo conference, and she goes, "What are you doing?" And I go, "Nothing. We're just chatting. Like, like what, what is this?" And I, I actively wasn't hitting on her. I was just you know, being myself. And, and she said, look, I don't, I've never said something like this before, but I just, I, I, you're doing something to me. I can feel it. And I just want to F you right now. <laughs> right. And, and as a guy who used to weigh 300 pounds and like, you know, works with computers, I'm like, oh, like I'm the man. Right. <laughs> but I laughed and, and I told her, I'm like, well, here's the experiment I'm running. <laughs> like what you're, what you're sensing is my pheromones. And this was my biology without my knowledge or permission, but it was a good thing, was basically putting out a signal. It was like, for God's sake, come have sex with me, right? And it was a signal that was being received. And I, I didn't quantify my pheromones. There might be a test to do that. But it's probably expensive and I don't know which one it is because I'm not an expert in that. But I can tell you for sure that if you do that, number one, you'll be very motivated to have sex if you don't ejaculate all the time. So your frequency of sex will increase. Your willpower will increase. Napoleon Hill and many others have gone, have gone through and talked about sublimating sexual desire into performance. Mm -hmm. And that performance can be performance, learning how to meet people, getting a promotion at work. So all I'm saying here is, is that if you are, are basically walking around uh, ejaculating very, very frequently, especially if you're masturbating a lot and you're looking to meet women, it'll probably on some very subtle hormonal level uh, not provide the same results that could get if, if you did it a little bit less. And if you're, you know, 22, uh, whatever, 22 minus 7 divided by 4 is every couple days is fine. But if it's twice a day, you're probably depleting something that's, that's probably measurable. And I, I've noticed a big difference from just being mindful of how often I finish versus how often I have sex. This is amazing. This sounds like a magic formula. Do this formula. Your age, what is it? Your age minus 7 divided by 4? And that's the number of days between ejaculations. That's I thought it was kind of BS, but like what a fun experiment to just like see, all right, these guys were about living forever. Like Taoism was all about immortality. So, okay, I'm an anti-aging guy. Like, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll try whatever that might work. You know, I, I, I'm not going to freeze my head, but I thought about it. You know, when I die, <laughs> like there's, there's all kinds of stuff you could do. So 
Um, this was just one of the things on the list. What I didn't expect was just that my overall satisfaction with life in general. Like I liked people more uh, when I was having fewer ejaculations. And all the data is on the website. There's a video, the Huffington Post wrote about it and all that stuff. And um, recently, um, Tim Ferriss, I think it might still be going on, he just uh, put up a challenge that I highly recommend you guys do. It was, uh, let's see, no masturbation and no alcohol for 30 days. Like, you want to see what you're really made of? Do that and still go out and, and meet women. It'll change your life. And it, it's great advice because you don't need alcohol to go do that. And if you're the guy in the room who's sober, <laughs> you probably have an unfair advantage anyway. Uh, just because you're in charge of yourself and other people are inhibited. And if you learn to not need alcohol as lubrication uh, and you've got your hormones working for you, your testosterone's higher, you've got pheromones, like the world should be your oyster at that point. Yeah, you have control. You have so much more control than all the other guys who are just wasted and, and sloppy. I always tell, you know, all the guys in this channel, I'm always telling guys, the drinking, you know, even though I know you said that there's some alcohol that's better for you than others, I say no drinking at all, and that's going to make you perform at a higher level than yep. having anything. I don't drink. Uh, it, it's just not worth it. Maybe once or twice a year I'll have something like celebratory, but to try and have, you know, one glass of wine a week, you pay for it the next day, and you pay for it more as you get older, but even when you're young, the next day, like a little bit less of, of the mental edge you're used to having, or you're, just, you know, I, I'm just going to eat, you know, the bagel that I said I wasn't going to eat just because I don't know, I just felt like it. There's delayed effects from having alcohol like that, that that just aren't worth it most of the time. If you need it to go out and meet people, you need to do some inner work to figure out why you have that craving because it shouldn't be necessary when you're in touch with, you know, what you are. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so we're like close to finish here. We only have a couple more minutes left. I, I could go on about all that stuff. But as a little wrap up, uh, let's give some guys like your, your top three, you know, best biohacks that can improve their life in every way. Maybe you touched on some of them already. That's okay. Same again. But what are your top three for the guys out there? All right. Number one, monitor and measure your stress using heart rate variability. Check out the iPhone stress detective application. Look at the inner balance sensor on bulletproof.com. You've got to learn how to know when you go into fight or flight mode and how to turn it off. And if you haven't done that, you haven't even approached self-mastery. It can take years of meditation or six weeks of having a computer tell you when you're doing it right. So just get it done with so it's a life skill you've got. Uh, number two, sleep. That means fix your sleep environment. And I've written extensively about sleep hacking. Make your bedroom dark. Lower the temperature. Get a good mattress. It's, there's endless things you can do to improve your sleep. There are, in fact, using uh, uh, dimming the lights at night is another thing. So there's sleep hygiene and things like that. If you sleep better, you'll wake up with more energy, more willpower. You'll look better. And all of those are going to help you meet the right kind of people. And the third thing is you've got to fuel your body in order to do the things you want to do. And if I can plug the Bulletproof diet here, I spent $300,000 and 15 plus years hacking my body, losing 100 pounds and learning how to be in charge of my own biology. So uh, the Bulletproof diet is the best practices from that boiled down, including anti-aging, including some from like the exercise world, bringing it all together. So like how do you look good with minimal effort and have the most willpower? So you can get the infographic for free. Go to orderbulletproofdietbook.com. When you get the book on Amazon, I'll send you the infographic right away. It's basically a roadmap. You print it, put it on your fridge, and it just tells you, these are less inflammatory than these. So if you have a choice between steak and chicken, eat the steak. 
Like it's kind of straightforward. If you can get grass-fed steak, that's even better, but at least you know you made a slightly better decision today. So there you go. Fuel your body right, bulletproof diet, sleep really, really seriously, <laughs> and be in charge of your stress and use some technology to get there. Those would be the three. I love it. I love it. Those are perfect. Dave, thank you so much. Really appreciate you doing this interview. Really appreciate you uh, giving us so many great takeaways here. I feel like a lot of the stuff you said is very practical stuff that guys can literally start doing today. So thanks so much. Uh, guys, if you're watching this right now, you're still here. I want you to go and follow Dave on Twitter. Check him out on Facebook. It's at Bulletproof Exec. It's facebook.com slash Bulletproof Executive and his website, bulletproofexec.com. And if you don't remember any of that, don't worry. I'm putting all the links in the description box below this video to check it out. And of course, the Bulletproof Diet, which I cannot wait to get my hands on, start reading and checking out all about it which is available right now on Amazon or at Dave's house. Go knock on his door and go get it. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Trip. Thanks so much, Dave. Talk to you soon. Some are direct, some are indirect, some are more situational. And I'm going to go ahead and say these to you in just a moment. But remember, the delivery that I'm going to be giving here is not the type of delivery that you're going to want to necessarily give when you deliver the line because it's going to be in all different kinds of situations depending on where you are. So you're going to want to deliver the line in all different types of ways. But no matter what, you want to deliver the line with a lot of energy. 